recording? How many? How many? How many? Oh my goodness. Hello, this is Sean Harwell. You are listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. This is episode 41.5, just in case you were confused. And it's a mini episode and I am joined, as always, today by my partner in the opposite of crime. Hey, Craig Moorhead. How are you, Craig? Uh, I'm doing all right, Sean. I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Good. I'm, I'm hoping you're not going to tell me you are like a criminal because that would completely negate everything I just said. No. It's been a long time since I committed any real <laughs> worthy crime. So, no. Definitely not. But, Sean, what we're doing here, we're doing a mini episode. And what we like to do is, with the mini episodes, we like to talk about uh, sort of news of the day type stuff when it comes to movies. Whereas the last episode, for instance, was a full episode about one movie that hopefully mm. people had not seen. So that's that's kind of how we change things up around here, Sean. That is, you know, and um, I think that was an, a, an exciting episode with Brian O'Connell. If you haven't listened to that one, go mm-hmm. check it out. We talked about the movie Bad Milo. You can find all our episodes online wherever you get your podcasts or at neverheardpodcast.com. You can also find links to all our social sites there. So come check them out and say howdy. Howdy. It was nice. Uh, it was nice to hear so many of you had watched Darby O'Gill as uh, children. I do think that explains a lot about oh, all man. of you. Yeah. So Craig, by the time yeah this is dropping, the Oscars are about two weeks old now, which is you know a, a lifetime ago in in the cycle. But I am kind of curious because. I don't know for a fact that if you were awake, you know, what was funny is we originally recorded this and we were like, well, we're not expecting many surprises on that show. If anything happens, we'll tell you about it next time. And then, uh, yeah, were you awake for the uh, big best picture snafu? Uh, I was not. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I did not watch (laughs) even a second of the Oscars that night. Wow. Well done, sir. Well done. Yeah. um, But I assume you've seen the clip of it by by now though right or you know, you know yes yeah you i've, know I've read story. up thoroughly on the crisis at the oscars um and i'm now, just i'd like to say right now my thoughts go out to the families of everyone involved <laughs> and i just think uh you know just be strong we'll get through this also yes. You know what I mean? We're going to get through this. Uh, yeah. People are going to lose some jobs, I think. I saw today <laughs> yeah. um, that uh, a picture of one of the two accountants from Price Cooper Waterhouse or whatever the hell the name of that consulting firm is that has the, uh, they have the envelopes, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's there's one guy on one side of the stage and there was a woman on the other side of the stage. Um, each had the envelopes and there was a picture of the man, <laughs> I think right after Emma Stone won, just dicking around on his phone. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, of course they're reading into it. It's just like, well, this was this the moment that he was supposed to be <laughs> handing the best picture? envelope to Warren Beatty and instead handed it to uh, handed the best the duplicate best actress envelope which I understand why they do anyway I just I I thought maybe I would tell this just the the quick story of of how um, I reacted to this event because it did strike a personal nerve with me a little bit Uh, I think it was 2013 I developed a, a, a TV show with three other gentlemen uh, based on the video game Leisure Suit Larry, which mm-hmm. some of our listeners may remember. And we took it out and pitched it at FX. They were very interested, uh, made an offer, 
We worked out all the details, and then it came up that there was a rights issue with this video game and what our producers, uh, two gentlemen, had been promised uh, by a third party who apparently did not completely own the rights to the game. And the whole house of cards fell apart right after that. Um, One of the producers was a young man by the name of Jordan Horowitz, and fast forward to 2016 I was like holy crap Jordan Horowitz produced La La Land um, with the other producer that he works with Um, I think his name is Mark Platt anyway uh, you know the next four months or however long holy crap Jordan Horowitz might very well win an Oscar (laughs) for best this guy that we developed this teeny tiny TV show you know um, pre-Silicon Valley all that stuff you know about the stupid video game and it all fell apart. This guy might win the Oscar for Best Picture, and lo and behold, he he did for about five minutes. And uh, Jordan was the man. Um, you know, if you've seen the clip, yeah, he was the first guy up there to give the speech for La La Land, and he was the man who completely took the uh, the uh, horse by the reins and said, "There's been a mistake." It held up the uh, the moonlight. Um, card and day after was on good morning america and his name was everywhere and uh it's it's funny you mentioned like your your thoughts going out to (laughs) to the families because it did like it you know jordan actually came and like stayed at our house when my wife was pregnant and like so she met him and like you know we were watching this and like you know being flabbergasted by the fact that this guy won an oscar for best picture and then flabbergasted even more so by the whole thing but um Boy, I, I do want, like, I did think about, like, what would your parents be thinking <laughs> if, <laughs> if they saw you, that happen to you? Because, you know, my parents, I, I do literally think the last movie they watched in the theaters for sure uh, was the campaign. And there probably have not been very many, at least even on video since then, right? Right, right. Um, the only reason they would watch the Oscars is if I could happen to get nominated, it, let yes. alone stay up till, you know, it was 1230 on the East Coast when that happened. You know, it was a long show as always. Yeah. Um, so my heart goes out to Jordan for having to go through that and his parents. And um, yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, I think about it, you know, and obviously you and I both. You know, we at, at this juncture in our lives, we know a handful of dudes who have have made it. You know, for oh, yeah. sure, in a big way. You know, and uh, this feels different to me. I don't know Jordan that well, but at the same time, it's like this is like that is a moment that I think will live on in movie infamy. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, absolutely. Uh, in, for a hundred years from now, when the Oscars are being held. They're gonna do somebody will do that special, you know the the ten strangest moments at the Oscars, and that'll <laughs> that'll probably be number one until something tops it, you know. Well, and you know what's interesting to me is it seems kind of amazing to me that this isn't more this doesn't happen more frequently. Sure, it seems like everyone who's presenting these awards are usually drunk and or they they just they get out on the stage and they <laughs> they sort of flub through like these jokes and just like the most wooden way and just like you know are, are, are kind of terrible but but because like generally they're not stage people <laughs> right and, and you know yeah. what i mean and, and they're they're all kind of like oh god do i have to go do this but yeah, um yeah. so so yeah on the one hand i kept thinking you know it's amazing this doesn't happen more often like it's just it's just an envelope it could be anything and 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 isn't there like there's the whole sort of urban legend that marissa tomei was not the actual winner 
of her yeah, Oscar, I which I think that, is totally uh, yes. false. But yeah, but I remember uh, and, that and kind of mean, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, and my heart also goes out to the to the folks at Moonlight who 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 worked on Moonlight. Um, yeah, because you know because there is that thing where you know their moment was certainly you know undercut. And more people, mm-hmm. it seems like more people are talking about Jordan being a stand-up guy and, you know, not not being, like, you know, so egotistical that he couldn't deal with the, you know, like, he handled it with grace, it seems like. See, now yeah. I'm talking about it. Meanwhile, like, I know. Not it's only amazing that, I mean, yes. that these guys won. It's it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a first incredible. in, like, a thousand different ways. Yeah. Um. So, Barry Jenkins, like, I can't wait to see this movie. I haven't seen it. Um. Uh. It, it's fantastic. But it's really exciting. And the one person, yeah, the one person I know that gets to vote on the Oscars, I do believe he was going to vote for Moonlight, and he's seen all, all of them. And yeah. he was just like, I do, you know, I really think it's the best movie of the year. And uh, yeah, it, it's great. It's such a small movie. What a what a crazy success story that's been. Sure. And uh, rightfully deserved, in my opinion. So good for them. And. Yeah, I, I think they were robbed a bit of a moment, but boy, again, they've got a story for a lifetime. Sure. Uh, you know, and, and they'll they'll get many many moments to talk about it. I think uh, going yeah. forward. So yeah, cool. So speaking of the Oscars, let's move on to uh, maybe a little more of an evergreen type subject. Uh, okay, which would be about you know how uh, comedy is treated by the Oscars, mm-hmm. and then maybe I'll put like a little musical thing there. Cut, cut, cut. You know, the, the, the number one thing I was thinking was, why don't more out-and-out comedies get nominated and or win Best Picture Oscars? Uh, I think it goes all the way through the Oscars, really, in terms of sure. uh, comedic actors and so on. I, I mean, honestly, like, just for example, the fact that, like, Jim Carrey hasn't won an Oscar... Uh, for he, a, he tried, he, he tried. He certainly tried, but but I mean, but but <laughs> yeah. that was the thing. It's like to try for Jim Carrey to win an Oscar, he had to like kind of leave comedy behind. And like yeah, that, he has to go lose like six hundred pounds, exactly, and, uh, nearly die. <laughs> um, exactly. So um, so yeah. So it got me to thinking about you know what 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 exactly is the lay of the land in, in terms of comedy and the Oscars. And here's kind of what I came up with. So I, I looked through all the best picture winners. Mm-hmm. Since the Oscars began in 1605, <laughs> a lot, of, a lot, yeah, yeah. I went continue all the way back. So, um, if anyone disagrees with what I'm saying, please, please uh, write us at, at Facebook, uh, Twitter us, uh, Instagram us with your disagreements. Mm-hmm. I'd love to, I'd love to hear it. But as far as I'm concerned, it looks like uh, the first true comedy that won a Best Picture Oscar was it happened one night in 1934. Which uh, yep. which really is not too far into the actual Oscars game. I think that was like maybe the seventh uh, Oscars. So off to a good start. Off to a good right. start. 1938. You can't take it with you. That's mostly comedy. Four years later. Yeah. yeah. Off to. I mean, incredible. Like there. Yeah. But then I feel like we we we, we fast forward uh, quite a few years <laughs> to 1956. But ne- the next one I have is is around the world in 80 days, which honestly is is questionable. It's sure. it's it, it's certainly a a, a a larger than life type movie, and it's it's pretty ridiculous. I don't know if I'd really think of it as an out and out comedy, but it seemed comedic enough. Well, and that's I think a theme 
that will be repeated. I'm actually looking at a list that says going my way was a 1944 winner. And then I see here it also says the musical comedy. So right. maybe that's why it doesn't end up on your list because it's a musical. Well, and that was part of it. I, I had going my way on here at one point. And it, it may be unfair, but I was kind of like, well, you took it musical. Off. Yeah. Well, the thing is, so, so musical. You don't have to apologize. You took it off. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, I'm not going to apologize. But <laughs> then, you know, I came to My Fair Lady and I was like, well, maybe oh, that's man. a comedy. Floodgates. I don't know. And then, yeah. then I just figured, no, I'm going to leave all musicals off of it. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, even if you add all the musicals, there's still not a lot of Best Picture winners. But but then for me, the next one is, is The Apartment in 1960. And then... 1977 Annie Hall but even that one it's funny it's definitely a comedy but I still don't think of that as just like a a laugh out loud comedy to me what about Tom Jones and the Sting which are listed on my list and uh I've seen both of those and yeah yeah, I don't also Tom Jones is certainly exuberant yes but I don't I don't think laugh out loud comedy for either no, no. And and yeah, and Sting is super clever and really fun to watch, but I don't think sure. of it as an out and out comedy. And the last okay, one I put down... Okay, 77. Yeah, keep going. We're, that's the year I was born. So, sure. Uh, yeah, this is old as me. What's happened? Right. I bet a bunch of comedies have won since then, right? So no, I feel like the only thing you could really call a comedy <laughs> that is one best picture since you were born, Sean, uh, is Forrest Gump. Yeah. And And I really don't feel like there's anything else you could really just say... And, I mean, Forrest Gump is also kind of a stretch because that's also super melodramatic. But there's a lot of very funny stuff that happens in it, too. So There is. Yeah. And I would argue, you know, maybe the Shakespeare is in funny. Love so, yeah. is a little... That's, mm-hmm. that's even lighter than Forrest Gump, probably. You're right. You're right. I mean, the, the, it's, the, it's, the, prem, the premise it, is, is uh, funny, Shakespeare in Love, in general. Like, it's not the true story of someone, you know, dying of a horrible disease. You know what I mean? But like does anybody think of it as a comedy? I, honestly, I, honestly I, I just don't think of it, to be honest. Yeah. But, but, but <laughs> I, 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 I do think it's more romantic. a comedy. I do think it's more yeah. of a comedy. Like, if you watch the trailer, it was sold as a comedy. Sure. So that's, that's, yeah. that's an interesting uh, uh, point. Okay, what about American Beauty? Where do you fall on the line with that? To- totally drama. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. And yeah. then I haven't seen Birdman. Have you seen that? I have seen Birdman. I, I, I was thinking about that one. And it, I feel like that falls in the same category as Tom Jones. Like I it's, yeah, I don't remember that ever being positioned as a comedy. No, like, it, it's, it's real high energy. And there are certainly funny things that happen in it, but it's, I would never call that a comedy. So the real question then is, why aren't there more? Obviously, comedy is very subjective. Yep. I feel like... Uh, the second Annie Hall won Best Picture, there were probably a thousand people going. That movie wasn't funny at all. Sure, <laughs> you know. Sure. Well, and, and um, is it just is it just that comedy is is thought of as too light? It's too. Um, I don't know. It's, it's that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, I think the movies that make people laugh the most perhaps don't resonate with people the way that the typical Oscar winner has, and I, I think. Fairly or unfairly. Now, you and I, you know, probably think about the, the toilet scene in Dumb and Dumber, you mm. know, once every f- five, six days, probably. At you least. Know, just, just whatever crosses your mind. Um, 
maybe not so much for the Oscar voter who's over 50, 60, whatever. Sure. You know, I, they always say the Oscar voter tends to be a little bit older, um, the, the members of the Academy. Right. So maybe that has something to do with it. But other than that, I don't know. Other than maybe if you're an organization that wants to call something the best of something mm-hmm. throughout the year, best of all in art, right. and you've got to put a face on that year, and you've got to sell it to the public, and you've got to make money off the broadcast, and you know hold yourself to some sense of uh, higher critical realm. Mm-hmm. Does that excuse <laughs> overlooking so many great comedies? Uh, man, I, I I don't think it excuses it. Right. We all realize there there are many problems with the Oscars. There's there's certainly a problem just with the idea of giving awards to works of art and and deciding that one is better than the other and all that but like if you want to buy into it and clearly we're buying into it for this bit (laughs) like i feel it so like for instance i i made a short list trying to come up with movies that i felt like were undeniably oscar winners that like you could have given them an oscar and and felt absolutely good about you know, being a part of the His, academy. History has, yes, served these movies well. Okay, right. let's hear some of so, them. So the first one I was thinking of was The Producers. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's that's just genuinely funny, really well thought out, uh, amazing imagination that went into it, amazing performances. Are the next three movies also going to be Mel Brooks movies? Because I feel like you could make the case for that. Well, that's the thing. I, I, I had a lot. I mean, I mean, Blazing Saddles is definitely on here, although... The more I thought about it, I was kind of like, yeah, I mean, that, that one's definitely funny, but hilarious, but, but in, in a, and a good social satire as well. Obviously. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah. but for some reason it felt like I, I wasn't sure if that was like Oscars funny. Like, and I put airplane on just because airplane was just, oh yeah, just completely. Uh, I mean, you know, we, we talked about get, get crazy the other day about yeah. the influence that Airplane had on that. Certainly not the only movie that Airplane was going to have influence on. Um, and I mean, a, a really well done movie, so disciplined in the comedy the whole way through. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there was And genre-defying in a way. Absolutely. I mean, you know, yeah. Absolutely. You know, uh, um, but, but then again, I kind of felt like, well, maybe, you know, it's a spoof. Maybe that's just way too lightweight. So that's fine. What about Dr. Strangelove? You know, yeah. I feel I like mean, like a, a Kubrick movie. It's super smart to me. It's incredibly funny the whole way through. Like it, it never, it never stops to say, okay, now no. we're going to get serious. Yeah. It's just absolutely, you know, funny the whole way through to yeah. me. Um, Got my vote, Craig. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then I also put on here waiting for Guffman was another one because I yeah, just thought those yeah, were that's, that's generally so well done. I don't, I don't know if you thought about. Any stuff that you thought should have won? Well, I don't, I, I'm not going to say one right now, and I do think there's there's plenty. I, I, you know, I could sit down. Raising Arizona would win every year, for, as far as I'm sure. concerned. Um, you know, Dumb and Dumber, Bad Santa. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of recent stuff. You know, I thought Knocked Up and The Forty Year Old Virgin were all great. It's kind of amazing um, that Judd has not won an Oscar for any of those, or been they feel been nominated, they feel as sort far of Oscar. Yeah, <clears throat> they do. They do. They they sort of you know. I'm looking at a list here, and they're talking about a movie like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which it is a dramatic movie, but 
there's some hysterical stuff in that. Sure. And like, you know, again, these things that I, I think once they have the pedigree of awards, maybe you look at them as more of a drama than that's, a comedy. That's a good point. Whereas, you know, you might be able to do the same thing with, say, a Judd movie if if one of them ever wins an Oscar. Right. Um, and you're talking about Shakespeare in Love being sold as comedy. That's another example. Yeah. Um, I just watched a movie, finished it this, this weekend from this past year uh, that I... I would make my top ten, and that's the Nice Guys by Shane Black, the Russell oh, Crowe, yeah, Ryan Gosling movie. I I loved it. Yeah. I mean, super funny. It's got the um, the mystery, and I, I think the uh, the density of something like Chinatown, sure. and then you know you're mixing it with a Lebowski kind of vibe to it. And uh, yeah. boy, I laughed a lot at that movie, and and I think it's great. I think it's it's a solid solid flick. So I, I don't I don't know why I mean I know Borat got nominated for best screenplay several years back Bridesmaids I think got nominated for best screenplay it seems yeah. like if if a comedy pops in a big way they tend to give it a lesser nomination it, well you know less I say that I'm a writer I would love to get nominated <laughs> it wouldn't there would be nothing lesser about right. it but it's yeah it's not getting multiple nominations yeah and so. I don't know what it takes. I think, you know, especially now that it seems like the studios are kind of whittling back mm-hmm. on the number of comedies that they do make, it, you know, it, it's going to be, again, something that comes from the Woody Allens of the world, like those people that are kind of, I think, flirting in the indie space. You know, I think Midnight in Paris was a great movie, too. I mean, that was one I think yeah, I've not seen maybe wasn't, I think it was nominated. It's it, it certainly... You know, it, it pulls at the heartstrings a little bit more than maybe some of his other just outright comic stuff. But, uh, yeah, you know, we we could do an episode and talk about every genre that's underrepresented at the Oscars. Uh, I've made my claim that The Witch should have been nominated, damn it, uh, yeah. from last year, and I'll say it again. But, um, I don't know, maybe one day, Craig. You know, it will be interesting, I do think, as as there's turnover in the Academy and you get people that were raised on films in the 80s specifically mm-hmm. where I mean you're watching nothing but genre films I feel like you know? oh absolutely um, yeah yeah maybe there will be a turnover with that I mean that that was we were talking before the show but horror has has been even more underrepresented uh, to an amazing degree I mean there was not even yeah. a, a real horror movie nominated <laughs> until 1973 for The Exorcist which somehow Exorcist, didn't win yeah. Jaws was nominated. Then 1991, Silence of the Lambs won. And 2010, Black Swan was nominated. That's as far as I could even find any horror stuff represented. And to me, I'm just saying, how did, how was Psycho not nominated? Psycho, I mean. I mean, The Shining, Alien, Rosemary's yeah. Baby. Like, um, there. I mean, there have been some, like, really good movies uh, yeah. overlooked. And, and I wonder, is it is it just because of the genre? I don't know. Um what was uh, the uh, movie about Nosferatu, Shadows of the Vampire, or something like that? Yeah, that uh, Willem Dafoe was that nominated? It it may have been, although I have to say, I mean, I mean that's not a horror movie. It definitely didn't so. strike me as a horror movie. Yeah, I, like, I, and I was wondering about like the Elephant Man, but no, oh. not quite. Yeah, I know. It's like it's it's got to be something that's kind of like skirts the genre a little bit, yeah. which again is why I think the witch could have could have done it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll keep an eye out on these things. I, I would love to know if um, 
if this is something that pisses people off still in 2017, or we're just sort of, I mean, I'm just so used to the fact that every year I'm going to look at that list of Best Picture nominees mm-hmm. and and immediately think of, like, four other movies. I'm like, eh, I kind of wish this had been nominated instead of this. Right. You know? And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe one day when all our friends are running the Academy. Well, speaking of something that that could very well be nominated um, in a couple years, uh, it's pretty exciting news happening around this next Scorsese movie called The Irishman, which has, I think, been in the works for a while now, um, notably for teaming up De Niro and Pacino again for the first time since Heat and hopefully having more on-screen time than in that movie. Um, it's also rumored that Joe Pesci and Bobby Cannavale are going to be in this, this movie. It's about a mobster who, um, among other things, is believed to have been involved in the death of Jimmy Hoffa. But the big news is that apparently Netflix has snapped up the worldwide distribution rights of this movie, possibly uh, paying for the entire budget. It hasn't shot yet. Right. It, it, possibly paying northwards of $100 million for the budget. And... <laughs> That feels like a watershed moment in some ways to me. Yeah. If if it does pan out, and, and here's the big asterisk, um, it's the release of this. How do you do? You does Netflix go in the theaters with this thing in a wide release, which they have not done so far with any other the movies that I know of. Not Beast of No Nation did not get a wide release. Right. Um, do they do just a couple theaters to try to get to be eligible for the Oscar nominations, and then do all of it just through their site? How do they play that? Because you can't help but feel like if they don't put it in the theaters, there's going to be a lot of money left on the table. Yeah. On the other hand, you completely could make it a total event, cultural event, that this movie is only available on Netflix. That would be huge. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. You know, we talked about all this before, about the changing distribution models and what it's going to look like in the future. I think this is... This is one that will be pointed at uh, many years from now as as being a key factor in how things change. So sure. I don't know. They haven't said exactly. Yeah, they haven't said exactly how they're going to do it. But I'd be very surprised if they don't go to the theaters. Very, very, very. And yet, somehow that would feel like inevitable again. Like it's pushing us towards a future that is is right in front of us. Sure. I wonder if there will be some sort of signifier in terms of. Kind of how uh, generally movies that are uh, released not in the summer or at the end of the year for like Oscar season, they sort of maybe get dumped somewhere in February. And like if they come out then, it kind of means, well, the studio doesn't really believe in this movie or that kind of thing. I wonder what, what this new language is, you know, like if once the movie is made and everyone's been able to see it, if they decide whether or not it goes to Netflix or not. what that even means I mean could you imagine if it was something that that would have the the impact of you know Goodfellas and it premiered on Netflix that would be insane for sure it's a huge coup for Netflix kudos to them and we'll all be watching whenever that finally drops I mean it could be 2019 at this point indeed Two trailers we'll talk about real quick, and then we'll and then we'll get out of here. Uh, one, you gotta check out the trailer for this animated movie coming out called My Entire High School is Sinking into the Sea. Aside from being a great title, it looks really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's got Jason Schwartzman, Lena Dunham, Reggie Watts doing voices. Um, Maya Rudolph's in there, Susan Sarandon, 
animation style looks amazing, and I think it was produced by our buddy Craig Zobel um, of uh, Z for Zechariah and Compliance and Great World of Sound fame. And yeah, what did you think about that trailer? I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it definitely looks cool. Um, haven't seen anything quite like it, so I'll be interested to see how that pans out. Yeah, here's a quote, um, and I, I'm sorry I don't I don't quite have the source for this, but I, I, apparently somebody called it the John Hughes for the Adult Swim generation, which <laughs> is an interesting mix, and um, I, I can't can't wait to see what that yeah. means. <laughs> Uh, another two more trailers I want to talk about. One is I don't know if you had a chance to check out the song for song trailer, which is the next Terrence Malick movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Rooney Mara, Michael Fassbender, Ryan Gosling. This is set uh, in I think Austin, like in the music scene. Uh, it looks a lot like Night for Cups. Is just at least in the way it was made. There's a lot of like twirling camera and a lot of men and women kind of touching each other's faces it looks like uh from the trailer which were things that kind of annoyed me in that movie but as always you know i I still think terrence malick is (laughs) i know um an event filmmaker so we'll be excited to check that out um but then one i know you did watch was um there's a movie coming out called brain on fire and this kind of caught my eye because my wife had read the book that it's based on it's a memoir from a a woman named Susanna callahan I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. A uh, very young woman who's at age 24 kind of woke up in a hospital bed and you know, couldn't speak, couldn't move, didn't know what was wrong and went through a series of tests and, and basically had you know a brain condition that nobody understood or could treat. My wife loved this book or at least was really impressed by it. Uh, it, it sounds like very heavy stuff. Uh, I know someone else who had read it and said the exact same thing. You got to read this book. The trailer's out. We got Chloe Grace Moretz starring in the lead. You've got Jenny Slate in there. Um, who else was in there? Carrie Ann Moss. Mm-hmm. Your friend, Tyler Perry, who we are going to get to boo a Medea Halloween is happening. Oh, it's happening. Um, he's in this. And, you know, again, it's, it's kind of odd to see him in a non Medea role. But um, did you watch this? I don't know. I got a mixed mixed vibe from this trailer. It, it wasn't quite what I was hoping it would be. But what did you think? Well, yeah, I mean, from the title. I was intrigued. It's a good good title. Brings me in. It's a great title. <clears throat> um, yeah. I'm certainly intrigued by, you know, what the deal is. I guess there, there's a part of me that's like, oh well, she's got a tumor, and so for some reason it, it's it's, it's not. So, no, yeah, yeah I, I, I totally get that, and I, 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 and I don't know if that was made explicit in the trailer, but for whatever reason, like I was sort of letting the air out of it myself in in that way. I was like, oh, what could be wrong with her? And it's like, the, I was just imagining like the last 15 minutes, oh, you've got a tumor. And, and it's not. It's, it's totally not, and I, and I get that. I, I am very interested to, to actually find out. Yeah, what, what's interesting is what made it more interesting to me was reading that the name of the book was My Month of Madness, which yeah. basically means, yeah, for a month, she just goes crazy. And then, then Now I'm hooked. Yeah, and now I was going to say, like, Clearly, she lived through this, so it's not one of those. But I feel right. like they're marketing this, and maybe even the casting of, of Moretz in this is playing into like. I've, I, there's been a couple of these movies about young people kind of dying yeah. or, or having like some terminal illness, right. like The Fall of the Stars, um, If I Stay, which I think had Chloe Grace Moretz in the lead, and, and that one as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for this one to not be that exactly, right. and yet it feels like they're selling it that way. It does. So that, I think that'll be that'll be interesting to see. Also, kind of interesting to just kind of continue to see how Chloe Grace Moretz 
grows up into an actress. Like, I'm still... I like her. I mean... um, Do you like her like her? I I think there's... I like her Mm -hmm. like her. I think there's a lot of potential there, but I don't don't feel like she's really grabbed me in something in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, You know. So... We'll see. Uh, you know, that's a tough transition to make from a very young actress to an adult actress, and obviously she's doing it quite well. Yeah, um, but yeah, and, and this, guess what, Craig? What's that? Netflix. It's coming to Netflix later this yes. year. Yes. I'm going to watch got everything. it. They have got everything. Well, I think that is all I have. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up? Nothing this week. What about next week? I might have some more things next week. Oh, good. So that's why you should tune in and come back. Um, we don't know what we're talking. Oh, well, let's see. If if the calendar works out, we'll be talking to Nick Clement from Podcasting Him Softly about the Tony Scott film Revenge, which is a great, mm. interesting, <clears throat> challenging, unexpected flick with Kevin Costner from 1990. And Nick Nick knows a lot about Tony Scott. He sure does. So come check that out. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. And then, uh, yeah, you can find us online again, and um, we'll post some of these trailers up on our Facebook page so you can check them out there as well. That sounds great, Sean. I agree. So we should just say bye. 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 Bye.